Good morning, good morning, everyone. How are we doing this morning? Guys, Christmas is like nine days away. I thought there would be a little bit more excitement, at least from this section down here. There we go. That's what I needed. That's what I needed. Um, For those of you who don't know me, my name is Michael Alsup. I'm on the the Nexus core team. Um, It is just so cool to see people in this room. Um, We have been talking about this. I wasn't in the the group talking about it, but the past two years, Caitlin and I joined in uh, about nine months ago. Uh, and have gone through this journey of wanting to see this thing come to fruition. Uh, And here we are. And we were here last week, and there was snow. And if you didn't come last week because you were worried about snow, like, we forgive you. Uh, Nexus Launch 2.0 today. We're going to have cake. It's going to be awesome. Um, But yeah, a little bit about me. Uh, I uh, have the honor and pleasure to serve with Sarah Beasley, Uh, overseeing the guest services team, and so we're going to get a little guest services shameless plug right here. Uh, If you are looking for a place to serve here, like you already or know, like, oh, this is where I want to be, this is where I want to get plugged in, Uh, Next Services is a group of people that welcomes people. We're in the parking lot, we have pop signs, we do coffee, we do the photo booth. It is the fun group to be on uh, if you want to serve at Nexus. So thank you, Sarah. Yes, Sarah agrees with me. Uh, So feel free to come talk to me about that. Fill that out on your Connect card. Uh, We'd love to have you join us. Um, A little bit more about me. Uh, I am married my wife, Caitlin. She was the the pregnant redhead up here singing. Um, We are expecting a son at the end of April. Uh, If any of you all know our story, we uh, lost a baby uh, this past May. And so we'll go into a little bit of that today. But um, Caitlin and I are going to save that story to share Uh, in the coming year uh, at Nexus. So we're excited about that. That's just a little bit about us. We also have uh, uh, almost two-year-old. I keep saying she's two. She's not two yet. Um, She acts like a two-year-old. Terrible twos are a real thing in our house right now. Um, And so little Miss Evie, you'll see her running around here. Um, But yeah, we um, have been a a part of ministry. I actually used to be on staff here at Gayton. Uh, I was the high school youth pastor uh, for three years. Uh, and then stepped down from that position and joined Caitlin uh, in her business, now our business. Uh, we are wedding photographers. Uh, so it's a party every weekend. We photograph weddings. Um, it's just crazy. I start feeling old now because kids that I knew when they were sophomores in high school were photographing their weddings now. And that's a little weird. And um, seeing them kiss other people, it's like, oh, okay, you're married. You're allowed to do that. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it, it's, a, it's a fun season to be in. Uh, we just came through a hard season, but uh, we are excited for where the Lord is taking us in 2019. Uh, this morning, I get uh, the privilege uh, to talk about peace uh, and the peace that God gives us and the peace through Christ. Um, but before we get there, um, there's something a little harder that I want to talk about. Um, studies have shown that if people are going to consider or attempt suicide— the Christmas season uh, is two times likelier for that to happen. And when I read that, I was like, there is no way. Like, this is the most wonderful time of the year. You know, it's like, how is that even possible? You know, we have uh, good food. We give gifts. Like, it is just joy and hope in a month. Um, uh, We were teaching or speaking or not speaking, meeting uh, as a teaching team. Uh, And Josh, uh, who is now the high school youth pastor here, brought up and he said, you know, Michael, like, I I agree with what you're saying, but, you know, imagine if you were that one person that didn't have hope or didn't have joy and didn't have peace, and you're looking around and everybody else is experiencing 
this hope and this joy and this peace, and you don't. Like, that's why it's magnified uh, in the holiday season. Uh, Before I read the passage we're going to dig into, we're going to talk about the opposite of peace. Um, And it's just interesting that it turns out that this time of year that is supposed to be most joyful, most peace-filled, is when a lot of people have the least amount of peace. So when we think about the opposite of peace, these are the words that Americans say they feel during the holiday season. These aren't happy words. They're not joyful, cheerful words, but this is what comes up. Fear. Fear of anything. Fear of what is going on in your life. Worry, anxiety, discouragement, stress, and depression. And we think that if we just had some peace, we wouldn't have to deal with those things. So we're going to turn. If you have your Bible, um, you're allowed to look at your Bible on your phone. I won't think that you're checking Instagram, but... If you have your Bible, we're going to turn to Galatians 4, 1 through 7. Galatians 4, 1 through 7. And it says, think of it this way. And before before we get too far in, is that me? Hello? Sit up over here. No, you're good. Think of it this way. Paul is writing to the church in Galatia, and Paul graciously gives the church multiple opportunities to understand what he is trying to explain. So, so often, you know, my wife tries to give me a list of things to do, and she says, think of it this way, you know, maybe do it this way, think of it this way, just gives you options. So in chapter 3, Paul is writing about what he's talking about in chapter 4, he's just giving it from a different perspective. So that's why he starts off, think of it this way. Think of it this way, if a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, those children are not much better off than slaves until they grow up, even though they actually own everything their father had. They have to obey their guardians until they reach whatever age their father set. And that's the way it was with us before Christ came. We were like children. We were slaves to the basic principles of this world. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his own children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. So now you are no longer slaves, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. If you want to listen to one thing that I say this morning, this is the main point that I want you guys to take away today. And as we're going to break down this passage, it's all going to kind of point back to this thought. That peace is not the absence of crisis. Peace is the presence of of Christ. So often we live in that first statement that we, we want to avoid, we want to control, we want to just get rid of all the crisis in our life. If our life was peaceful, then we would have peace. If you didn't have to fight shopping mall crowds, I will admit I went to Short Pump Town Center yesterday in the rain with every other person in the state of Virginia, it felt like. I had to park by Tropical Smoothie, like not even in the mall parking lot, like come across in the rain. It was just crazy. And like people were honking at each other, like it is just an intense place to be. If I just had enough money to get what I wanted, I know as Christmas is coming, we, Caitlin and I are talking about the budget of gifts for Evie, and she's my little girl, and I'm like, she can have whatever she wants. Like she wants a pony, let's get her a pony. Um... 
it's not, it's not happening. She's not in here, but she doesn't know. Don't tell her she's getting a pony. She's not getting a pony. <laughs> if I could just have a drama-free Christmas, I don't know if any of you all struggle with that, but when family gets together, things can get interesting. Um, you know, there's, there's the sense of peace that we're missing when all of our family gets together and things just get tense. And if I could just have a crisis-free life, But I submit to you that we will never find true, deep, abiding peace trying to create the perfect little world to live in where there is never any pain, trouble, or loss. Peace is not the absence of something. It is the presence of someone. Peace is not the absence of crisis. It's the presence of Christ. So as we look at this idea that peace that is given to us is paid in full, I wanted to share uh, a story from mine and Caitlin's life of something uh, that was paid in full for us. Um, when I was a junior in high school, Caitlin was a freshman. We had just started dating. I know it was scandalous. Um, she was the preacher's daughter. Like, I was the chairman of the deacon's son. Like, we were just always at church and always hanging out. Um, and we started dating. And, and that fall, um, our church hired a new youth pastor. Uh, it was a woman named Dana And she came with her husband. Caitlin and I learned that they were high school sweethearts. We were going to be high school sweethearts. Um, They had the cutest little boy named Spencer. Um, And we just idolized their marriage, their life. We're like, we want to be them when we grow up. Michael was a a state trooper um, in Virginia, actually in Henrico. And they lived over in Mechanicsville. Um, And I remember the morning, January 29th, that my dad knocked on the door while I was brushing my teeth. And I opened the door, and my dad's crying. And my dad, I know a lot of you are like, oh, I've never seen my dad cry. I see my dad cry like saying the blessing at dinner. So that's where I get that from. So if I start crying, don't worry, I'm fine. It's just, it just flows out of us. So dad, dad, I open the door, dad's crying, but I know that it's something serious. And I'm like, what is wrong? It's like 7 in the morning. And he's like, Here it is. I'm going to cry. So he says, "Um, I have some bad news. Michael Blanton was killed uh, last night. And just then, like, the first thought that popped in my head, I didn't even have kids. I wasn't married. But I wanted to know what was going to happen to Spencer. And so time went on. Ooh, hold on. Here we go. Time went on. Um... We got to walk with Dana through that tragedy. It ended up that um, that happened in January. That December, her and Michael um, were talking about and planning this trip. Um, It's a program called Student Leadership University. And they wanted to take some of the core leaders. So Caitlin and I, I led middle school guys. Caitlin led middle school girls. Um, a few of our friends that were leaders in the youth group, they had set aside this group of people that they wanted to take on this four-year program. Um, And so we we heard about it, and um, Dana's like, I just want you to know it's kind of expensive. You go to Orlando, Florida one year. You go to Washington, D.C. one year. You go to London, Paris, Oxford, and Normandy one year. And then you go on a Mediterranean cruise Um, visiting Rome and Corinth and Ephesus and just experiencing leadership from these different generations, leadership in D.C., leadership in London where we came from, leadership in the ancient world, and just studying these things. And we knew that it was expensive. 
Kayla and I also um, walked through the trial process um, with Dana. Um, her husband had done a routine DUI stop. Uh, the guy was in a BMW right off of um, Interstate 64 and Gaskins Road. Um, if you ever drive under that bridge, it says Trooper Michael Todd Blanton Memorial Bridge. That's um, where he was killed. Um, so Michael had done the traffic stop. Um, the guy, as Michael was going back to his car, about to go to back to his car, the guy put his car in drive and tried to drive off. And at the time, as we were told, troopers were instructed and trained to reach into the vehicle to turn the key off. That that was what he was trying to do. But the BMW was just too fast, he couldn't get a hold, and they speed up around that exit ramp heading uh, towards Gaskins Road. The car flipped up the embankment, there's still a memorial up there on the top of that hill, um, and he was killed instantly. And so, we're walking through this trial, and we're sitting in a courtroom with our youth pastor going through the worst time of her life, seeing the man who did this to her. It ends up that at the end of the trial, ooh, trial, um, at the end of the trial, Dana was given all of this drug money. Um, the guy had over $100,000 cash in his car. He had like $500,000 worth of drugs and cash in his apartment, and she was given this money. And what do you do with drug money? You know, it's like, do I want to buy a nice car with drug money? And Dana decided to invest in us. There were six of us. Woo, here we go. There were six of us. And she paid for each one of us to go to Orlando, to go to D.C., to go to London, Paris, Oxford, and Normandy, and to do the Mediterranean cruise. So to lighten the mood, I have a few pictures of baby Michael and Caitlin. Uh, this was in St. Peter's Basilica. We didn't really know what we were doing in photography th at this time because the background is all dark. I was really tan and really thin, the good old days. Uh, I have another one. This is at the Colosseum in Rome. Um, I was a history major, and so I just ate this up. I mean, it was uh, such a treat for me. And the next photo is a picture of Dana uh, and her new husband, Lonnie, at our wedding. Um, and as I thought about this idea that it's paid in full, that Dana owed us nothing, that she gifted us this just because she loved us. You're still trying to earn enough money to have the biggest house, to have the best job, to make your kids the happiest, but there is nothing that you can do to provide peace. You have to receive it by grace as a gift given to you by God, paid in full by Christ. When we have no peace, we try to cope. We try to manufacture peace. And here are some things that I thought of that, that are ways that people do that. Some of us do that through eating. And the holiday season um, is a prime time for that to happen. They don't call it comfort food for no reason. You know, it's we eat so that we are comforted. We eat when we are celebrating. We eat when we grieve. And we eat when we're depressed. Some of us, it's shopping. Again, the holiday season kind of magnifies this. And I'm not against shopping. Obviously, I want to buy my daughter a pony. Like, that's not normal. But when you, when you think about shopping as a mechanism to cope, it can lead to being in debt and just adding more stress on your life. Some people turn to drinking. Uh, I was reading a study that more and more Americans are using alcohol to fall asleep at night. And it's just interesting to me that if we allowed God to give us peace 
to be at rest and to fall asleep on our own, how much better that could be. Some of us, it's pills. Antidepressants are some of the largest uh, prescribed drugs uh, around today. And a lot of people are using them and selling them, and um, that's one way that they cope. Some of us, it's plastic surgery. I remember when I was in college, there was this wave of shows about plastic surgery, and I thought that was so strange that, like, people are trying to fix what's wrong on the inside by rearranging what's going on on the outside. Some of us do it by dating or trying to change relationships. We'll try to keep it PG, you know, extramarital affairs. I'm not at peace in my marriage, so I'm going to try something else. Um, and some of us, it's just plain avoidance. We, we just ignore it. We think it's fine. I'm fine. Nothing's wrong. We put our nose down and we do what we need to do to get through, but there is no peace. But you all know as well as I do that we cannot manufacture peace. It's got to be real because the moment that you realize that it's not fulfilling you, you either go back to what you tried or you try something else. And what happens when you've tried what you think is everything and you still don't have any peace? We're trying to create a lifestyle with the absence of crisis, but we don't need the absence of crisis. We need the presence of Christ because only he can bring peace. So let's look at verse 4 again. But when the right time came, God sent his son. When the right time came, God sent his son. So point number one is that peace comes from God. He is giving it to, giving it to us in the form of his son. When God gives peace, it doesn't come in the form of possessions. It is in the form of a person. This line that God gave us his son should wreck you. It wrecks me. We lost a son in May, and we're about to have a son. And the thought of giving him away for people that I don't know just doesn't make sense. It makes me think of John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He loved us so much that he gave his son for us. God made the first move. It's not about what we do. A lot of times when I was in youth ministry, I would tell my story or my testimony, how I, I accepted Christ or I made this decision, when really it was nothing about what I did. I didn't reach my hand out to God. God reached his hand out to me. Peace comes when we realize that nothing I can initiate will ever give me peace. So why was it the right time? Again, I was a history major, and we've been to Rome, and it is just crazy to think about God and his sovereignty, this all-knowingness of God, that he saw the world at that time and knew that it was controlled by the Roman Empire, that, that they had roads that were connecting people, trade was going on, this currency was um, uniform throughout the whole known world. There was a, spo a common spoken language, and God saw that that was the right time. But what did he do? Did, shouldn't he have sent an emperor to overthrow the emperor of the Roman Empire? Shouldn't he have sent a king to take down and do what was right in God's eyes? But no, he sent a baby. And it's odd that he sent a baby to save the world and to provide peace. Because I don't know if any of you all have kids, but when there are babies around, there's not much peace. There's not much sleep, there's a lot of burping, there's a lot of spit up, things like that. And he is bringing in this baby during the Christmas season. And it's just crazy to think about how could God bring peace through a baby. 
Number two, peace comes when relationships are right. We're going to look at verses four through six. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law, so that when he adopted us as his very own children, and because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. So what Paul is trying to say here is that when, when you're a child and your father owns land and cattle and money and slaves back in that day, again, he's trying to explain this to the church in Galatia, that, that it is a, a series of events that has to happen in order for a son of the father to gain his inheritance. But at the point of, of when he's a child, he's not much different than a slave. The slave can come and go into the house, eats the food of the house, works the fields, just as a son would do. Um, when you are young and you don't have access to all that is the father's, practically speaking, you are no different than a slave. But when the time comes and that child goes from a slave to a son and from a son to an heir, all that is the father's is given to the son. The real lack of peace comes when it's not being in right relationship with God and with others. Paul is saying that the relationship between the son and the father is finally made right when that time comes. The greatest source of anxiety for people who worry about jobs and money and health, but the real source of anxiety is when we think about our relationships. Verse 6, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. And while I was doing research on this, I learned that the, the short A and the hard B, the ah and the buh sound, are some of the first pronunciations that a baby can make. Just from the beginning, we can say, Abba, Father, Daddy. Caitlin and I had a, a little bit of a competition, you know, to see if Evie would say Mama or Dada first. And I'm happy to say she said Dada first. Even though I, I should have known, we could have got her to say Abba apparently first, and I still would have still won. But we see, we see Jesus use this phrase. When he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, before being crucified, he cries out, Abba, Father, just to show the relationship that he has with his Father in the right way. And that is how intimate our relationship should be with our Heavenly Father. Because the relationship is right, peace is available. But it's not just about relationships with us and God. There's relationships with those around us. And I wanted to share a quick story uh, about Caitlin and I uh, in this past season that we've been through uh, with our son James. So we found out uh, February 12th uh, that James, uh, in Caitlin's belly, um, had Down syndrome, had a heart defect, and multiple other complications. Um, what was crazy about that was that a few days later on February 18th was Evie's first birthday. And we're planning this first birthday party for our, our daughter, and it's just this heaviness in the air. Like we have this child, and we have a child on the way, but we know we're going to lose him. And it's just hard to kind of celebrate that. We get through the birthday party, and, and everybody is great. All of our friends and family come and support us and love on us. And the next week, we actually have Evie's one-year checkup. And we're going into the pediatrician's office, and she's so excited to see that Caitlin's pregnant, and we, we have to break the news to her that we're, we're excited too, but we're, we're, there's a very high chance that we're going to lose this baby. And she takes her stethoscope off and sits it on the bed next to Evie, 
And she comes and she puts her hands on both of our shoulders. And she looks us in the eye and she says, mm. she says, guys, I want to be completely honest with you. I see this a lot. I see families that go through this. And a lot of times it ends in divorce. She says, the loss of a child is one of the hardest things on a marriage. She said, I want you two to protect your marriage and to really fight for it. And she, she just went right back to examining Evie and like, it just was so powerful to us. We left that appointment and I said, what do you think she meant by that? Like, like we were, it was just so fresh to us. We were still kind of in the fog. I'm like, you don't think we're going to get a divorce, do you? Like, is this going to be that bad? Um, and it was just hard to wrap our mind around. Caitlin and I uh, have, we call her a life coach. She's more like a marriage counselor. Um, for some of us, there's this stigma around counseling. Um, but we are very proud to share that we call uh, our friend Julia twice a, a month um, and talk with her as a, just a neutral third party. Um, and Julia has walked through um, a lot of hard seasons with us. And we brought this up to her and we're like, you know, our pediatrician warned us that, you know, we might get divorced because if we lose James. And that just really kind of threw us off. And she said, guys, we need to create a vision for what we want this season of our time with James to look like. We need you to know where you're going and where you're going to end up before we even get there. And the first word that Caitlin said was peace. She wanted our time with James to be peaceful. She wanted delivery to be peaceful. She wanted the funeral for him to be peaceful. And that was our focus. That was our vision. That's what we were walking towards. And that's what we did. We, we experienced peace in the labor and delivery room when we delivered a stillborn baby. It was one of the most joyful days, as weird as that sounds. Um, but it just, it really had, had us focus on our relationship. And so in the Christmas season, it's kind of a good time to take inventory of your relationships. There are probably people in this room who haven't talked to their parents in years. There are people in this room who haven't connected with children or with friends or with people like who were in your wedding, you know, I, I have those relationships that my best friends at my wedding and I, I haven't really talked to them. Or maybe somebody's done you wrong and you're like, Michael, yeah, you can say that I need to forgive them, but you don't know what they did. And I would just challenge you to reach out to them to try to fix those relationships because peace comes when relationships are right. And lastly, point number three, peace comes when you are free. Verse 7 says, Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. And so we think about slaves, and, and it is a weird term and phrase to think of, but I, I think about being slaves to fear, like what we're afraid of. And so again, I Googled and searched, like, what are Americans' number one fears? And the first one that came up is public speaking. And I will be honest, it is, it is not a huge fear of mine. It's been a while since I've done this, but um, I understand that if that is a fear of yours. Another one that came up, which was kind of funny, uh, is clowns. How many people are afraid of clowns? I don't... Aaron, we got we to gotta talk about that. Some clown fear? Okay. So fear of clowns. 
But then I started getting into some more um, intense ones that can really affect the way that we are enslaved by fear and that can distract us and take our peace away. For some, it's not getting married. Um, again, we are in the wedding world, and I was a high school youth pastor, and I remember talking to high school girls who were terrified that they weren't going to meet their husband in college. Or, and it's like, you got time. Like, let's just, let's just get to college, and, and then we'll figure that out. For some people, it's the thought of getting cancer. That can be terrifying. That can steal peace away from us. For some of us, it's not even getting into college. For some, it's not being able to have kids. For some of the parents in the room, it's our children not being successful, thinking that we've invested so much into them, and then there doesn't seem to be the level that you expected to come out of that. For some, it's fear of an affair or divorce. That is a valid fear that you can have, but to not let it enslave you. And for some, it's dying alone and being alone on this earth without uh, your friend and partner that was given to you. I would challenge you that when you focus on fear, you become a failure. But when you focus on the Father, you can have more faith. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up, and I'm going to guide us through a, a collected time of reflection and prayer. I'm just going to have some questions and some things to thought, uh, prompt your thoughts um, as we go through this next little bit of time. So we'll let the worship team get back up here, and then we'll do that. So if you would just join me in closing your eyes, uh, we're just going to have a little bit of you time to think about and process um, some of these things. So the first thing I want us um, to think about and, and, and look back on what are some ways that you are trying to cope and manufacture peace in your life? And as you think on those, how is that working for you? What are ways that you are trying to cope and manufacture peace in your life? What are the relationships that you need to make right this Christmas season? When I mentioned that, did somebody come to mind? I don't think that's an accident. I don't think that's just this thought that passed through your mind. I think that that is God speaking to you. I think that as we take the time to do the hard work, that good things will come out of that. What are the relationships that you need to make right this Christmas season? And lastly, what are the fears that you are enslaved to that are keeping you from receiving peace from Christ? I don't want to think that you're bad for having fears. Everybody fears. But as we, we think through and say, God, I know that you're going to take care of this. I know that you are me to not be afraid.
God, we thank you for this morning. God, we thank you for the friends and family in this room. God, you know our hearts. You know the way that we try to manufacture peace in our own lives. God, make it so clear that we couldn't deny that we're trying to do it ourselves. God, help us to let go of fear. Help us to look to you for the faith that we need to get through our days. God, and show us the people that we need to make relationships right with. God, maybe they're in this room and it's just uncomfortable sitting beside them knowing that the relationship isn't right. Maybe it's our relationship with you, God. God, we know that it's not about us reaching out our hand to you, that you have already reached out your hand to us by sending your son Jesus and paying for peace in full. God, bless this morning as we continue to worship. God, just move in people's hearts and minds as we go throughout the rest of this Christmas season. We ask all this in your name.